shot and a great save by Dane St. Clair. Shot by Matt DeRosa, and it's in! Matt DeRosa puts the Terps up 1-0. Staden coming forward now, he had two last week. He winds up the left-footed shot, it's sneaks into the bottom corner. Bin outside the box, a shot with the right foot, and it's in! Paul Bin wins it for the Terps! Now Sadich plays inside the 18, the shot, and a goal for the Terps! Leaves it for Herbe, cutting it back to the middle, and it's in! Paul Bin gets the goal for Maryland. Elney has the room, he shoots it in! Maryland has a 1-0 lead on the goal from the senior, Sebastian Elney. Eli Cronali, the deep free kick, sent into the box now. Hervey there, the back post, and it's through the legs and in! Donovan Vines is claiming it as the 6-5 man does a cartwheel on the far side, doubling Maryland's lead. And that'll do it! Maryland's California dream have become a reality. For the first time in a decade, the Terps are national champions! Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet and welcome your Ludwig Lowdown, featuring Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. Welcome into the ninth edition of the Ludwig Lowdown, our Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio. As always, I'm Brendan Hartlove, joined this time by again Joe Malfa. Joe, welcome back. I'm glad to be back. It's good to be back. Last week was a crazy week. Yeah. So I'm. I got Tom. Tom subbed in, right? Yeah, I think so. All right, so I'm back. We, now. we literally right before we started recording, we established that I have no idea what day it is, or frankly, what time of day it is. So, any <laughs> any questions that recall any knowledge, uh, frankly, at all, beyond a few hours ago, is probably going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't great because we've got two games to recap in a loaded week for Maryland. Soccer. But see, the good thing is, when it comes to like my quote crunch time. Maryland soccer is that is that crunch there you time. Go. So there you I, go. I think we'll be okay. But nonetheless, um, so yes, it was a very uh, busy week for us and busy week for Maryland men's soccer as well. They picked up two wins over ranked opponents, and one was certainly more impressive than the other. But we'll get into that. And the Terps come into this week, uh, moving up in the polls a little bit to number twenty-two in the nation. Yeah, a lot of things in the polls this week don't make sense to yeah, me. No, we were talking about this off air. And we'll touch on it when we get to the game previews of the upcoming week with Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, they went from receiving votes to 19 with a close win over Wisconsin and a tie against a receiving votes James Madison team. Yeah. And Maryland went from 24 to 22, sorry, 25 to 22 mm-hmm. with wins over number, number six, six and number 24. And, number 24. Yeah. and it was a 3 nothing win over number six. And then overtime went over number twenty-four. Yeah. So I think we could just kind of throw out the polls at this point. And it's and I mean <laughs> I, in the end you kind of can because it's yes. the coaches' poll. And as we've said time and time again, the coaches' poll does not make the seating, does not make the bracket for no, bracket exactly. for the NCAA tournament. So not that we're thinking that far ahead, but you know it's, it's not that much far ahead anymore because we've got what three regular season games and a Big Ten tournament before it's that time of year. Already, yeah. So no, it's it's weird. I was thinking we only have after this episode we only have one more. Uh, podcast before the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Which, good lord, where did the time go? Yeah. Feels like we were just trying to figure out what the heck we were doing with this, and here we are, nine <laughs> still episodes. To we are still trying to figure out what this. we're doing. It. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So, anyways, um, we'll we're gonna recap the games against Indiana and Yale as we always do. Then we have an interview coming up with Maryland center back Brett St. Martin. Sat down with him uh, on. Wednesday, which was his birthday. Sure, it was Wednesday. I, I literally had a moment in my head that I wasn't positive. But, yes, it was Wednesday um, that I sat down with Brett. We talked about a lot of stuff from him uh, growing up playing in the area to 
really just a bunch of different stuff. And then, as always, when we come back, we will preview Maryland's next two matchups, the game against Ohio State tonight, Friday night, and the game against Penn State on Tuesday night. So we're going to get right into it because we have a lot to discuss. Um, and we'll start with last Friday night. Number six, Indiana came to town, as we said in our, or as Tom and I said in our uh, preview episode of that. It's the matchup that everybody had circled on their calendars from the start of the season. And the guys from the Hoosier Network flew in. We got to see them. Um, we got to see Dean Linky and Jason Gary, the Big Ten Network. We took a nice little photo outside. Uh, we, we all looked quite nice. And all? It, I don't know. Tom was in a Tom was in an untucked shirt. That's just how Tom is. <laughs> I've gotten on him about that, but and he still had like his headphones around. You know, his I'm neck. just coming to your defense here because he usually talks about your style whenever yeah. he sees you. So I'm this is a chance to kind of get back at him a little. Tom bit. will text me if I'm at an event and he's like, for example, I'll be covering basketball or something, and he'll be in the crowd like as a fan, and he'll text me. Mate, I'm, I'm not sure about that shirt. And I'm like, dude, come on. You're, you're killing me here. Um, so, yes, he always does give me a lot of grief about that. But um, – Back to the point at hand, Indiana came into town, and it was really you, – you could you could feel the occasion. Um, everybody kind of turned out, and you could sense that something special was going on at Ludwig. And it ended up being something special that none of us expected. Talking to the guys at the Hoosier Network pregame and with Tom and with you, we kind of came up with, you know, this game would go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Either Maryland would win one to nothing, mm-hmm. as they typically do, or if they concede first, yep. it would snowball, and Indiana would win 3 nothing. None of those scenarios had Maryland winning 3 nothing with all three goals coming in a short Spoiler span in the first alert, half. Joe. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, yes, no, you're, you're very right, and I'm, I'm teasing. And, I mean, the Indiana guys kind of said the same thing, that if Indiana is able to score first, um, they have a very good chance of winning. However, if they concede first, it, it was kind of interesting because of how different the two teams have been this year, but yet they still kind of share that, that common trend. And all the talk about Indiana's youth and how this team is built for maybe next year and the year after, and, mm-hmm. and they might be like a year too early, quote-unquote, this year. Uh, that kind of came through fruition. I was talking to, I don't know, after the game, I had to leave right away. Yeah. You talk a little bit longer with the guys from the Hoosier Network, mm-hmm. but I saw them the next morning when I was calling the football game, right. and we spoke before we got into the football game, which, ugh, forget about that. But <laughs> before we got to that, we, started, we, we kind of finished off our thoughts about the soccer game, and they kind of said, yeah, all that really happened was – you guys made a young team look like an actually young team. Yeah. And they just were completely unprepared for the occasion, mm-hmm. the environment, and what Sasha Sarovsky threw at them with a little bit of a new uh, lineup and formation. Mm-hmm. And they completely were just stunned. And I think we all were stunned. And, yeah, that I think stunned is the best word to sum up the entire Friday evening. Yeah. And so that's you know, that's kind of a good transition when you mentioned kind of that a uh, little bit of a different lineup that Sasha put out there. So we'll kind of get into the uh, moment-by-moment recap a little bit. And there were several moments, so obviously we won't go through them all. But for Maryland, the lineup was, as we mentioned, a little bit of, of a change. Um, it was Eli Cronalli who played the center attacking midfield role. Now, we've not to get too technical because we do have a habit of doing that sometimes. He's typically one of the more defensive midfielders that plays a little bit deeper. However, Sasho pushed him up, gave him a little bit more freedom. Um, and as we'll talk about, he did excel there. Um, and so that put David Kovacic, the Slovenian freshman, into one of the defensive midfield roles. And his inclusion in the starting lineup paid off, as we'll see. And it moved Malcolm Johnston out to the left midfield spot or left wing spot. And Galen on the right, and they switched a lot throughout yes. the game too, which was another wrinkle that they ended up, as we'll touch on, 
employing in the Yale game, but mm-hmm. so a completely new wrinkle going forward. And it's something that I kind of like because, look, with William James Hervé out, mm-hmm. Paul Bin out, mm-hmm. Brian Padilla out, that was supposed to be your three starters across the middle there. Yep. I'm not sure who they would have really – I guess they would have liked Luke Brown to be the number 10, but once – the first couple games kind of got going, and we saw what Padilla had. He kind of nailed that spot down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So in a perfect world, you would have had Hervé on the left, Ben on the right, Padilla splitting them with Cornelli behind them. Yep. you got to figure something out because all three of those guys are out. Mm-hmm. And Cornelli has shown a sort of a knack for going forward when he's had to and creating when he's had to. So Sasha thought, well... well, just push him forward. And it worked because mm-hmm. Kovacic has been stellar in that holding midfield role and we never really talk about him enough, but Nick Richardson has been yeah. a rock in there, completely stepping into the big shoes left last season in that role. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a good wrinkle. I think it's something that we'll have to monitor going forward. You you wonder if there's a game in which it doesn't work, whether it's Penn State coming up, if he'll maybe backpedal and try, try to go back to the old way, or if he's kind of set on this now. Because it looked good against Indiana. It looked fine against Yale in a game that overall looked disjointed, so I'm not going to really pin too much on yeah. Cornelli or anything for that. But I like it going forward, and it's similar to last season in that it was in that Denver game mm-hmm. that they won and kind of switched to that double pivot. And um, from that point on, just completely ran a rough shot over everybody going forward. Now, a lineup change in the Indiana game, almost a year to the day of the Denver game, yeah. and he's starting to get that feel again. Mm-hmm. And so that's, definitely, that's something we kind of talked about on the broadcast as well, is that it's very reminiscent of that of that moment last year. So um, we'll, we'll now get into the actual uh, game itself. We've given you the lineup. We've given you kind of set the stage, given you the context. You know how it ends. <laughs> you know how it ends. So now we'll just fill in the middle, I guess. Um, that, that's how the best stories go, right? I guess just, so. Uh, read the last page. Um, anyways, so it, Maryland got off to a very good start. They looked very confident from the get-go. They dominated a lot of possession and really kind of had Indiana back on their heels. They outshot the Hoosiers 7-5 in the first half, um, but were pretty efficient with those shots. So David Kovacic, as we mentioned, the Slovenian freshman, came up pretty big and got Maryland's first goal of the day in the 15th minute. Um, and it was kind of one that bounced around. Pinballed off of three or four people, yeah. and it last came off of Mayer's face yeah. before it fell down to Kovacic's feet, yeah. and he put it home. And all of a sudden now, he's a poacher, apparently. Yeah. He's got three goals this season, and all have been it's kind of poached from inside the box. It's, it's, it's unreal. <laughs> so uh, he sent the lights flashing at Ludwig very early on, um, and so that's his third goal of the season. Um, and so play went on with Maryland having that, that one goal lead. And they, as you would expect, did not sit back, try to absorb pressure, say, okay, cool, we got the goal, we're good, defend this. In the 28th minute, Eric Matslevich, it was a beautiful build-up play kind of down the left-hand side, and you saw Eric's run kind of taper off to the right and try All to All started move. with Matt DeRosa. Yeah, and with it was a very nice bit of interchange over there, and then Eric's run pulls him out, he's one-on-one with the keeper and tucks it home, and Maryland's up 2 nothing. And th- Then it, it got really wild. Then it got really wild <laughs> because, first of all, 2 nothing in the first 28 wild. minutes is a dream start for Maryland over Indiana, who does not concede a lot of goals. Um, and so we said Matt Slovich got the second goal, assist by Malcolm Johnston and Justin Geelan. Um, and then, what is it, 70 seconds later, 
the it's a corner kick that's played short by Eli Cronali to Matt DeRosa. It's then played back to Eli Cronali, who whips it into the box. And who else is there but Johannes Bergman to get his first career goal while his parents are in the United States for the first time ever? And it was really kind of one of those uh, those special moments, those storybook nights for Johannes Bergman. And. Sasha joked after the game that it had to, of course, be with his head, which yeah. is something that he has not been very good at using. Yep. Um, uh, so it, it was all around a perfect moment. Um, the 3 nothing scoreline and the upset are the main storylines, obviously, but that was a really nice yeah. story buried within that game that did it with his parents there and mm-hmm. it was kind of the exclamation point to the night. He owes Justin Geelan something because he stole that goal from <laughs> Justin Geelan, yeah. if you saw it, um, but... Uh, it's great for him, and I guess he's a goal scorer too now, like Kovacic, because we'll get to Yale's game in a few moments. But uh, again, with the sports <laughs> joke, come on, it's, it's you called a tease. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a very, very direct tease. Um, so yes, Johannes Bergman after after the game, Sasha said, "Well, yeah, if I knew it was going to take flying his parents over here to get him to score a goal, we would have done it a lot sooner." Yeah. Um, so in Johannes was very excited. He showed it in a very Johannes way, um, kind of behind that that. German exterior, if you will, um, but you could tell that really was was a special moment for him, and it's something he's he's really never going to forget. And mind you, that's only in the 29th minute. Yes, there's still over a little over 60 minutes to be Not played. Not a lot happened the rest of the way. No, that's kind of the thing. But so Maryland did go into the half uh, up three nothing, which uh, everybody Ludwig. Uh, the Maryland fans, the Indiana fans, the Maryland media, the Indiana media, all kind of stunned by the scoreline uh, through 45. Well, the second half kind of went as you expected. Yeah. Now with a 3 to nothing cushion instead of that one nothing early cushion, mm-hmm. Maryland sat back mm-hmm. in the way again that we thought they would sit back after it was one nothing. But against a team like Indiana, you can't really sit back for that long. You would have had to sit back for about 70 minutes with a one nothing lead. Yeah. That's a long time against a team with that kind of firepower. So they did well to get those couple of extra goals. I think they would have been content with just the one extra goal at 2 nothing, but then again, 70 seconds yeah. later, they come away with the corner and the third. Uh, but yeah, the second half went as you'd expect. They pretty much played a 9-1 formation mm-hmm. and just ended it. Maryland only had one shot in the yes. second half to Indiana's five, but really none of it too threatening for the Hoosiers. And um, it was it was an amazing atmosphere in the in the Maryland camp after the game, and obviously the polar opposite for Indiana, who was the number six team in the nation. Um, and really, kind of to we talked about how big of a rivalry this is to lose. Not to not only lose to your rival, but lose in the fashion that Indiana did really kind of stung a little bit. But obviously for Maryland, it meant that much more um, to do it in front of a packed Ludwig crowd um, on a Friday night. And just kind of all the different storylines that we touched on throughout uh, really made it a, a special uh, historical night. And also, I'm trying to remember the stat off the top of my head. Um, Indiana had not lost 32 consecutive. Yeah, uh, 23 big, wins and nine ties yes. in the Big Ten since 2015. Yes. So regular season, 32 straight unbeaten in conference play in the regular season for Indiana, which is a remarkable feat. And Maryland was able to uh, end that streak. And they Over did. Four, it was October 10th of 2015. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what was Friday's date? Friday was know, the eighth. Friday was the eighteenth. <laughs> Friday was the eighteenth. So it was four years and eight days. Cool. That, that streak. I'm, I'm trusting your math on that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how. And things were very, very. Um, 
positive in in kind of the Maryland camp after that. And now we talked about, or Tom and I talked about, how if you're able to get that win against Indiana, you need to continue the momentum against Yale. You can't beat your rival, the number six team in the nation, Friday, and then go and kind of put on a uh, a disappointing performance and not get the result against a number 24-ranked Yale team. And it was always going to be tough because – Coming off the emotion of a packed yes. crowd on a Friday night yes. against your rival, now you have only two days of rest, mm-hmm. and then on the third day, you're coming out there in front of an almost empty crowd. Yeah, which not to fault the it's fans. A I mean, Monday it's, night in to, to know. I mean, exactly. And Maryland is still number one in attendance in the nation yep. right now. It's official, so this is not a slight towards the Maryland crowd or anything. It's just obviously logical. Yep. It's a Monday night, like you said, in midterm season. The casual fans who are the locals aren't going to get out there because they've got work and they've got their lives. And also, if you're a casual fan, you see Yale, you're not thinking, exactly. oh, wow, they're they're undefeated? Exactly. You don't know that they're undefeated this season. So the kind of the You're like, why are we playing Yale? Yes. Which was a question we had because Correct. it was the first time that Maryland had ever played Yale. And yep. the answer was just ties to their head coach from when he was an assistant at Michigan State, in case anybody was curious. But at the end of the day, it's it was an understandable potential letdown, mm-hmm. but they did well very, very narrowly to stave that off and come away with the win in the end. Yeah, I mean... I mean There's really not much more to it. That, yeah, he, he, I, he, he, let me sum up the Yale game for you. Yale had a chance to score three minutes into the game. Three mm-hmm. minutes and 12 seconds to be exact. Off the crossbar, went down, they went to video review, no goal. Then nothing happened again until under a minute left in the first overtime. The 100th minute, yeah. And then Johannes Bergman scored. Yeah, that was the Yale game, <laughs> and, and so well, I mean, there you go. I mean, you kind of you kind of said it quickly, but Johannes Bergman scored again, and yes. this is a man who has two goals in two games and had not had any in three years of starting every game. Um, From no goals in three years starting every game to two goals in three days, and mind you, his parents still in College Park yes. were there to see it again, and so that was again just a very special story that he gets the overtime winner um again with his head um which and i talked to sash yesterday at practice he he said when johannes got here he was no good with his head but he (laughs) talked about the work that he's put in over uh the spring and the summer and all the time after practice and everything working on that and it paid off and so maryland does get the win it was not exactly a um attractive win and i'm i'm not kind of I, I won't get criticism criticism for saying that because if you watch or listen to the game you will 100 percent agree and talking to sasho he, he said you could see how tired we were and i did the post game interview um for for btn and i believe my question was uh maybe not the performance that you guys wanted but in the end johannes came up in a big moment and then he went on to talk about his 21st century uh schedule model <laughs> uh which obviously i understood made sense wasn't exactly the question but that's that's where his mind was after that game because yeah. he said he apologized to his team uh because of the scheduling and because the it wasn't even just the physical um toll that indiana took on that friday night but he said it was the emotional and mental so toll. draining yes. in, all, in all areas and tom and i on the halftime show touched on it too i I joked with him as we kind of cut the halftime show off at the end. I said, if you're looking for a game to be the poster child of the 21st century model, yep. it's this game. I mean, at halftime, both teams had six shots, a combined two on goal, both for Yale. Mm-hmm. And of the 12 total shots, six each side, mm-hmm. maybe two or three of them were like actually struck with pace and yeah. dangerous. Yeah. 
and both the shots that were shots on goal were very very lazy shots on goal that yep. Neumann just kind of could have thrown a blanket on top of mm-hmm. I mean it's it was terrible it was it was just very very poor and and not to fault either team they both played on Friday night yeah. and had this quick turnaround and another ranked matchup but it just goes back to and we've got to get him on for a yep. full podcast about plan. this whole 21st century <laughs> thing. But it just goes back to that and how that is a necessity more so than um, a fantasy at this point. Yeah. And so, obviously, Maryland got the result. They got the win. Again, another ranked win. It is two straight for them. Um, but it wasn't exactly in the way that they wanted to, obviously. And they, on paper, were absolutely the stronger team than Yale. Granted, Yale is a very strong side, but they come in ranked number 24. They hadn't really played. FPI was 55 coming yeah. in. So, so um, and so after the game, it was it was kind of an interesting dynamic because after Indiana, everything's positive on Maryland side. Just kind of being down around the team and the media and the post game interviews and all that kind of stuff. Everybody's great, loving life. Um, and so after Yale, you still got the win. It's still going to help. I mean, it's not going to help you in the Big Ten, obviously, but it's going to help you kind of in the rankings and everything. But it wasn't exactly like, a oh, we just got an overtime winner. How amazing was that? They all understood that, yeah, that was not a great performance by either team, yeah. and it, everybody was just exhausted. So um, really kind of the, the physical uh, toll that Friday night took on both of these teams was clear and obvious uh, Monday night. So, um but anyway, they got two wins, two wins over ranked teams, as we said, which moves them up to number 22 in the nation. Um, and so it, it's interesting because it kind of feels like last week was or this past weekend was a, a mixed bag for Maryland, but they still got two results over ranked teams. At the, at the end of the day, if I would have told you that they would have had a 3 nothing win and a one nothing win this weekend, yep. probably would have agreed. It just would have been inverted. That's very true. That's, and, a, that's a good point. But the fact that it happened the way it did, it kind of almost – makes it tougher to read because you're like, well, they beat this team 3 nothing, mm-hmm. but only that team won nothing. But again, it just goes back to If you're only the reading the box score, if you're only reading the, the on paper, the score lines, it doesn't tell the full yeah, the full story. Exactly. If you look at the calendar, maybe it then tells the full exactly. story. Um, but again, we've talked about that a lot and hoping to have Sasha on to, to break that down a little bit more. Um, you, if you're listening, you may have seen some of the stuff on social media that he put out, I put out, um, and that they're they're starting to push a little bit more. So that we'll save for another time um, because we do have an interview to get to, and that's with Maryland center back Brett St. Martin, who has had a very strong season in his first season kind of starting with Maryland um, and has been a big part of Maryland's back line paired with Johannes Bergman. Um, and so we'll talk to him, like I said, about – playing in high school how he started a little bit later and then playing club and just a whole bunch of other stuff and so we'll now go to our interview with maryland defender brett st martin all right i'm now joined by maryland center back brett st martin and brett first of all happy birthday thank you thank you for coming on the podcast on your birthday thank you for having me (laughs) um so you're we've had a lot of the local guys on the podcast so far and you again are one of those local guys so just kind of take us through when you were playing kind of that like where everybody runs in a pack around the ball soccer maybe like four or five up until when you got to college park because you said you didn't play competitively until a little bit later yeah, so I played, like, in my hometown in Mount Airy, kind of just with all my guys, like, for a while. We played uh, a team called Mount Airy Shockers. Uh, it was, like, 
old old team California California tortilla like would sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> the old days we were like bright orange jerseys, and it was just like all a bunch of fun with my guys and just hometown guys that I still talk to today. Yeah. Just like my best friends. And then, so you went from there on to a little bit more competitive later down the line. Yeah, like start of high school, uh, like end of freshman year, start of freshman year, started uh, playing more Baltimore Celtic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that was a, like a first good step into like playing more competitive soccer and didn't really play too much um, freshman year for club. Uh, started a little bit for high school and varsity, but uh, didn't really play too much on the Celtic team at first. So it was still like a learning learning process for me yeah and so when you played in high school you had maybe a little bit of a different dynamic because your coach was also your dad definitely and definitely. what was what was that like because my dad was my club coach for a little bit too and sometimes you just want to like leave things at the field but it at times follows you home in the car at the dinner table was that kind of the case or was it just kind of home soccer two very separate things uh me and my dad have a great relationship uh i kind of know how he feeds off me and he was always he's always my hardest critic and he always pushes me because he expects so much of me and I respect him for it. And sometimes we'd butt heads because, <laughs> you know, obviously he's hard on me in practice for things that I thought I was doing well on, but he just, he expects so much of me. So he would always push me and sometimes we would, we would go at it, but it's all love and yeah. And so what was kind of the process going from playing in high school, playing in Celtic to then ending up in College Park? Um, it was a big step. I think uh, part of it was start training off the field, I think. Like once, once or two, three times every week, going to practice isn't enough. Mm -hmm. I think uh, what you do by yourself that no one else sees is really like the biggest thing that translates to your game and like pushing you to not just be the player that stands out, but like just try and be the best person um, on any team that you're on. And were other colleges in the conversation? Because again, you're local. Maryland's kind of like the state school, obviously. Was there any other schools considered or was it kind of Maryland is, is it? Uh, Maryland, I always had my heart set on Maryland. I think growing up, just like come and watch games and like you always hear just like the culture of Maryland and how they'd always be like contending for a national title and everyone just had just the hype about Maryland. And um, yeah, I mean, other schools are definitely in question, um, but I really wanted to stay home. That was a big thing for me. My parents come to all my games, grandparents come to all my games. So it's good, always good to see family. And uh, that was the biggest thing for me, just staying home. Uh, being close to home and yeah other colleges were definitely in the question mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day it's just this is where i wanted to be and so when you were with baltimore celtic kind of to go back to that a little bit uh how many of the guys that are on the team did you cross paths with in that point because i know we're actually i think tom our writer is going to do a story on it how many of you guys come from that program so what was that kind of like playing with some of these guys back then and you show up together in, in college park yeah, it's definitely like creating a bond before we even get here. Um, I wasn't really close with uh, Nick and not really too close with Justin, but like we obviously talked a lot, but like we weren't like that close. And uh, Paul Frendek that just transferred, he was also from Celtic, but he was on my team. So like 99s versus 2000s. So yeah. like Nick and Justin were 2000s. So like obviously we knew each other, but like we weren't, we didn't have the bond yeah. that, like we have now being roommates and everything. Like we do everything together. Mm -hmm. So like. It's just crazy how far we've come and 
really really like made the bond that we are now and so i always like to ask defenders this question because for attackers it's sometimes an easy answer but when you're a center back or defender growing up who was somebody that you kind of idolized or looked up to because it's not always like oh messi or oh ronaldo or ronaldinho or whoever it might be it's kind of an acquired taste type of thing so was there anybody that you kind of looked up to growing up um not not completely i kind of just i was always a tottenham hotspur fan so like I kind of just idolized guys that were playing on Tottenham, but I've always like admired Sergio Ramos. I think uh, he's just been so dominant in Real Madrid for so long, and like he would always come up big in big games and scoring 90-minute headers. So <laughs> that's someone that I just I just loved uh, picturing my game after. Well, you're pretty good at scoring late headers too, a little <laughs> bit. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll talk about last season because obviously a little something happened last year. Oh, yeah. um, so you you got some, some decent playing time, especially towards the middle and end of the season. But obviously Donovan Pines, you're not trying to fill his shoes because physically, like literally he has big shoes and like <laughs> metaphorically as well. But what did you kind of like learn from playing with him like in training and you played next to him a little bit when you were right back? What did you kind of take from him that you're now bringing into this year? Yeah, it was definitely a learning process for me coming from – it's a different game from uh, high school and club to coming and playing soccer at uh, College Park and just the colleges in general. So uh, being under Donnie kind of helped me uh, a lot because he, he knew how to play quick and he knew how to play, like, easy. And so, like, uh, just not overcomplicating his game he was good at. And obviously he's just a physical person. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah, it was good. It was good playing under him, and it also gave me some insight playing right back because that's not something I'd ever done mm-hmm. before. I was always playing center back and striker, so like, <laughs> sometimes they'd just throw me up there if we needed a, a late goal or something in high school and club. But, uh, yeah, so playing right back was huge. I think it was definitely a learning process again because, like, it's completely different getting up and down the field. So, yeah, it was just it was a learning process freshman year, and it was a great result at the end. And so now moving into this season, you're now the one partnered with Johannes, who's has, having a, quite a good couple days here recently with co-offensive player of the week and defensive player of the week. Um, what has it kind of been like building that dynamic between the two of you? Because it's the first time you've kind of started with him in that center back pairing consistently. Yeah, I think I think you could kind of tell over our first maybe two games and, and definitely in preseason, we didn't really know where each other were going. Um, we were kind of like, like guessing where each other were going and we'd have to talk a lot more but now it's kind of settled in we've we've grown like a, a really good chemistry and we kind of know like where to tuck in where somebody's going to go and uh you can kind of see it on the field that it plays out and so one thing that i've kind of noticed that you do probably better than i've seen anybody else on this team do is when you put in a sliding tackle it's almost time to perfection like every single time like literally like to the exact moment how did that kind of come about because really to kind of do those things it's like game situation like there has to be somebody to tackle is what i'm trying to say when did that kind of develop over because you said you started kind of playing a little more competitive late when did that really kind of start to fine-tune into what we see out on the field now uh i don't know it's hard to say i mean you'd always go outside with your guys and just slide tackle (laughs) when it's raining outside or something my guys back home will know that's a big thing for us we just love um but um it's really just timing Mm -hmm. i think i have really good timing on like with headers and slide tackling i think it's kind of similar it's all about timing of the ball it's not like with headers it's not necessarily how high you can jump it's when you can time to get up to the highest point and i think slide tackling is the same like just knowing your speed and knowing how fast you can get to a ball is a big thing and deciding when you need to slide and when you need to stay on your feet
What do you think is the best and most kind of influential advice that you've ever gotten from somebody, either a teammate, coach, whatever, on the pitch? Uh, I know it's a tough question. That's a tough <laughs> question. Um, on the pitch, I don't know. It's kind of – Sasha would always just yell at me to play quick, um, less touches. I think that's the biggest thing. I was kind of – getting the ball at center back and lackadaisical um, to start the season and strikers would always close me down. So I think Sash, Sash really pressed hard on that and I've started playing long more if, if strikers closing me down quickly. And it's not always about just playing quick, it's about when to know when to play over top. But I mean, obviously we love to play quick and love to play short. It's just yeah. the philosophy we have. And it's shown, especially over the last couple of games. So. Um, we'll now kind of translate to some of those off the field questions because when we started doing this podcast, we wanted to learn about you guys outside the lines and outside of your bios on the website. Um, so, school. What what is your major here? Um, currently undecided. Okay. Um, still kind of not sure what I want to do. It's uh, it's kind of down to right now econ or kinesiology. So well, that's the two, two very things. different things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, two different paths, but gotten all like the gen eds out of the way so it's really now just deciding what i want to do so out of all the classes you have taken so far what has been the most interesting class you've taken um interesting um you can say none because we've all been there yeah i don't know <laughs> i haven't had too many interesting classes because you said you're taking the gen eds and that's not yeah. exactly a great I mean, time there's a there's a lot of different uh things with it i mean i'm in a peer counseling class right now that's kind of mm. like it's kind of like therapy, so it's it's been really awkward in a way because you have to do like twenty minute like therapy sessions where like you have to like help somebody and it's like gotcha. It's it's hard to do. It's so you're the one helping, not yeah. the one being helped. Yeah, you do it both ways. Okay, you, you switch, but that's pretty cool actually. Yeah, it's really it's in a it's a difficult it's a difficult thing. It's yeah. interesting. So okay, we've done sports, we've done school. Now the quote fun stuff. Um, what would you say your favorite movie is? You again. Uh, I say this to everybody: not timed. You can give me as many answers as you want. Very relaxed. Um, I would have to go with uh, the A Team. It's a kind of older movie, yeah. but it's a great movie. It is. It's uh, I love like a little bit of deception. <laughs> so like those kind type of movies. Uh, like Now You See Me is another movie that I really loved. Like the magic portion and like. Just a lot of deception I like. Interesting. Just that type of genre. Um, what about TV shows? Kind of the same? Anything you're watching on Netflix or just maybe a favorite show? I'm a big big Friends guy. Fantastic. Love, That's love what I love. So I, I love The Office, and everybody said The Office, but I've been waiting for somebody to say Friends, oh, yeah. so thank you. I'm a fan of The Office as yeah. well, but I'm a big Friends guy. Put it on during homework or Fantastic. whatever. Just I, I always have it on the TV. <laughs> Um, so music, do you listen to anything before the game? Are you one of those guys that doesn't like to listen to music before the game? Yeah. Um, I'm a big, uh, like new music. I think NBA young boys, the biggest thing I listen to right now. Okay. His album is, was really nice. So, uh, I listen to that a lot right now. And is that like before the game? Is it when you're studying, doing whatever or, um, no, it's, it's basically just before the game. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, not, not too much studying, not like anything until like getting to the team house like mm -hmm. hour and a half before i don't really listen to like that much but then you like switch on and you yeah. start you start listening to music yeah so sticking in the musical category um if you so I, when you got here do you have to sing a karaoke song yes i did okay what was that song and how did that go i honestly forget the song because okay. i had oh. so many songs that i didn't know what i wanted to do really yeah so like 
I feel like a lot of people have like choices because you're not sure like which one's gonna. Like, yeah. You're like, which one's a team gonna like? <laughs> like? Which one do I like? But like, which one am I gonna get the most hype for? Yeah. Like, so yeah, I mean that was that was an experience. You spent like the entire bus ride trying to memorize a song, and you're like just a scared little freshman. Yeah, like, it's intimidating with a bunch of guys like yelling at you and. It's just, it's a great, it's a great experience. W- like, was it a positive reception from the guys? Cause, uh, okay. you get yelled at, you get yelled yeah, at a lot. A little bit of heckling. Yeah. They definitely, <laughs> they definitely heckle you. Even, even if you're good, you'll get yelled at. Yeah. So. Well, cause I talked to Johannes last week and he was like, yeah, they yell at everybody. But for me, because of the language thing, they actually applauded. They were actually yeah, pretty yeah. nice about it. So you obviously did not get that, no, get that I treatment. Got, I got the yelling. <laughs> so if you, if you had to pick a karaoke song now, what do you think it would be? Oof. You're not gonna have to sing it, so don't worry. Um, karaoke song, I don't know, probably something by Bruno Mars, cause mm-hmm. uh, it's just easy and it flows. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know specific songs. I, I'd have to look that up. But That's fine. Yeah. So if you were to do a karaoke duet with somebody on the team, oh gosh. who would you pick to be your duet partner? Um, um, let's see. I probably I probably pick Brian just because <laughs> just because he's he's a funny guy and he just he's very outgoing and he just loves to like throw a little ad lib in yeah. there that just that just everybody <laughs> loves it's hilarious. Who who would you say is the worst singer on the team? Worst singer? Um, it's hard to say. Out of the people that you have heard sing, because yeah, I haven't heard it, I haven't heard too many. Because if they if they suck, they're not going to sing. That's just kind of how yeah, it goes. I mean. Last year we had our freshmen. Our freshmen were decent. Mm-hmm. I think Richard Bedotz, who left, yeah. transferred to uh, Seattle. He was like obviously the best. I think it was really. Yeah, it was. It was by far. He's just. He's just the type of guy that just likes to sing. So. Interesting. So that was that was hilarious. Uh, who would you say is maybe the best singer? The or best. just sings the most, maybe uh, not Paul the best. Ben. Okay, yeah, that's Paul Ben. He's yeah. very popular answer. He's uh, he loves bringing out the windpipes, <laughs> going, going uh, really high notes. So it's funny. Um, where is the most interesting place you've ever traveled, and what took you there? Um, I don't know. I haven't traveled to too many places, but uh, Sweden was a big experience wow. for me. So I went there. I think my end of sophomore year. I think I went uh, for a team. It was called like Las Vegas something, but um, we went and played in the Gothenburg Cup. Wow. So that was a big cup. It's like a national tournament, and you play like we played in front of like six thousand fans. That's so crazy. We played uh, a team called Right to Dream. It's a oh yeah, a that's Ghana, the the Ghana, Ghana Academy. Academy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm trying to think. You guys just played a team where they had a few guys. I think it might have been Akron or somebody. They had a bunch of guys from that yeah. same academy, so I don't know if you lined up against any of them that time. Yeah. Um, um, who would you say has the best hair on the team? And you may say yourself if you feel so. Because um, a lot hair? of the guys have said themselves. I would say myself. Yeah. I think I think my hair is the best. Yeah. I might. I don't know. I might might dye it at some point. I haven't haven't thought too it, much into it. But d- dye it how? We can have this conversation. We can we can figure this out now if you'd like. I don't know. I've always wanted to go a little like blonde, like yeah. like lighten it up. It gets blonder in the summer, but mm-hmm. like uh, just like lighten it up even yeah. more than usual. Interesting. Um, so who is probably the messiest on the team? Like either locker, apartment, car, most unkept. Um, 
See, I would have to say Justin because okay. Justin because <laughs> I know him just from just from our place. He's mm-hmm. a messy guy. Um, sometimes sometimes he's clean. It depends on the day, really. Yeah. Sometimes he has some bad days where it's really messy, <laughs> and you're like, oh. But yeah, I think there's a couple of guys. Craig Craig's also he's who everybody brings up. Craig's I I think Justin just because he's my roommate. Yeah, like, you're around him more. Yeah, Craig is definitely Craig, definitely definitely a guy that's got a lot of trash around him. Interesting. Um, who's maybe the most likely to oversleep, mispractice, miss the bus, something, or be or be the one that you're waiting for to show up? <sighs> Damn, I'm gonna be hard on Justin right now. Yeah, but I'm gonna go Justin again. Yeah, he he said that he he will. He's been scared a few times. I think Nick has had to wake him up maybe a yeah, few times. Yeah, we, we we always make sure we always peek in the room, make sure he's, <laughs> make sure he's up and about. But um, let's see. So one thing that's kind of been discussed from a lot of the guys is video games and stuff. Are you are you involved in any of the the video game uh, banter? Perhaps uh, I don't have an Xbox on campus. I'm, okay, I'm looking into that, but. I, I used to be a big Fortnite guy and big like Call of Duty, but I haven't really played too much recently. So have you have you played like around those guys? Because I I normally ask who's the best, who's the worst, and if you're any good. Yeah, I played I played around them. Okay, yeah. so who would you say is the best Fortnite player on the team? Um, Justin Gillen. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good. Who's the worst? Russell. Yeah. Russell Shealy. Huh. Yeah. He, that's the first time I think he's come up. Normally they all just say Eric because he just got an Xbox. Oh, and really? no. He admitted that he's no good. Okay, yeah. so Russ isn't that good either. Yeah, no. Playing with Russell, he just hides in, in the, the, the worst places yeah. and then dies. Oh, wow. And so it just takes a while and <laughs> then he dies. So. Um, what about – so I've heard some of the guys play poker on the team. You've mm-hmm. been involved in that at all? Uh, I actually didn't. I was. Okay. I had to do homework the one night they did. Very responsible. Yeah. Very no, responsible. Not trying to flex <laughs> anything, but yeah. Um, so I had to do that. But yeah, I'm definitely definitely going to be in that. The next uh, time scenario. Yeah. Me gotcha. and my dad would watch poker all the time. Just really. World Series. Yeah. Oh, so you have you have the face down. You have the whole strategy. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'll bring bring some shades. Watch out, guys. Oh yeah, poker face. Um, what about FIFA? Did you play FIFA at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. Big so uh, you said you're Tottenham guys. Tottenham, you're going team in FIFA or do you have another one because that's the interesting thing sometimes they don't go with the team that they're fans I'm a Fulham fan so I never I can't play with Fulham against yeah, anybody yeah, you can't, you can't play with them. yeah no um I'll play with Tottenham if it's it depends who the other guy picks like yeah. I'll always like start with Tottenham and then if somebody else picks like Real Madrid or something I'm you like, gotta like come on a little like, bit yeah like I gotta change teams now yeah so. yeah um mostly Tottenham though who would you say is the best at FIFA on the team um, that's hard. Again, out of the guys that you've you've seen play. Yeah, I haven't played a lot of guys recently. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have said Brian. Really? Yeah, I don't um, know if you come up against Brian or seen it. No, Apparently, he gets really into it. I haven't played Brian, but I I've heard Luke and Craig. Hmm. Uh, I know they. I know Luke just beat Craig the other day really bad. So really? That was a big thing for Craig that we all got on him for. Wow. So. But yeah, I heard they're they're really good. So that's who who's maybe the worst? Like, um, shanking it left and right. Sheesh. Um, full full is pretty overrated. Okay, that's w- a, break that down for me because <laughs> I've heard that mentioned so many times and nobody's given me a good answer for where uh, that came from. It's it's just something like they all like Craig and Russell like they just love to tell Fola because they always <laughs> like, they beat him or Russell doesn't beat him, but 
uh, <laughs> Craig beats him a lot, and he just he just loves like messing with him because Fola gets mad. So like, interesting. He's just like Fola's so overrated. <laughs> it's just like a funny banter thing that we all say. Because somebody brought it up early in the season, but they didn't give me any context. And I was like, <laughs> he hasn't played yet until the senior. <laughs> like, I, I don't think overrated is the term to use there. But then like they were like, nah, it's more with FIFA and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. Um. So you're a Tottenham fan. Definitely. How did that come about? Um. It was, I don't know, I think it was in, like, fifth grade. I started, like, actually watching soccer because, like, I don't know, as a kid, I was like, oh, this is this is boring. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch this. I had no attention span. And then, like, I started, like, uh, I just started, like, watching one game, I think. And I knew they were sponsored by Under Armour. So, like, mm-hmm. that was just one thing. My dad's, like, big into Under Armour. So I was like, yeah. oh, let me watch this team. Like, <laughs> And they weren't, they weren't that good and just, like, I don't know. I just wanted to go to school and like have a team. Yeah, and so, be able like, to yeah take place. So in like that I would have friends that would like talk about it, and we'd all like discuss. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, I just started following them, and I really just started love watching watching them and watching soccer. So. Have, have you seen them play live? Yeah. So I went to London when I was a freshman in high school. So mm-hmm. like when Baltimore Celtics started, they had like a Tottenham tournament, mm-hmm. and like they picked like three guys to like go over to London and. Uh, so, like, I went to London. I got to, like, watch their training session and, like, meet the players. And wow. then, yeah, I went to – they played Aston Villa the next day, and so I went and watched that. Who? Which players did you get to meet? Uh, Harry Kane. Got wow. a signed sign sweatshirt when he was uh, number 18. He was – Wow. He wasn't big time yet, so. So you, you're one of those guys that can say, like – I I kind of I was I was in his camp before he broke out. Oh yeah, kinda before thing. before he was big time. I think he I think he had like 18 goals his first season, and like that's when he started getting big. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Like that. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that's all I have for you, Brett. Thank you again. Happy birthday. Thank and you. And I appreciate you for your time. Me. Of course. You're listening to the Ludwig Lowdown with Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. So once again, we'd like to thank the then birthday boy Brett St. Martin for taking the time to sit down with me, and it's actually the first time we recorded the podcast on location at Ludwig Field up in the press box. So um, that was a good time, and Brett had a lot of great things to say, um, and he's going to be a very important part of Maryland's defense uh, throughout the rest of the season. And that next test comes tonight, Friday night, in Columbus against Ohio State. Sorry, the Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, don't forget um, that. Got to put some respect on the name. Um, you almost wouldn't be able to say the name because they almost trademark, trademarked the word the. That's true. So you would have just had to say. So this would have just been Ludwig Lowdown. Yeah. Wow. We could have gotten in some legal trouble, perhaps. The hotel that Maryland so geniusly named the hotel <laughs> would just be hotel. Motel. Holiday. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Um, that was a very deep cut for those not <laughs> born. Oh, never mind. Um so we'll do a quick update on the look of the Big Ten standings before we get into the preview against Ohio State and Penn State. Um, a lot of states that were that Maryland's going up against recent or in, in the next couple of days. So uh, the Nittany Lions, Penn State sits atop the Big Ten as of uh, the recording, as of going into the games Friday night. Um, they are at a record of four one and one. Indiana right behind them with one less game played at four one and zero. Mind you, that one loss at Maryland. Ludwig Field to Maryland. Uh, Michigan State three one and one in third. Maryland comes in fourth in the Big Ten at two one and two, tied with Michigan. Same exact record, um, so tied for fourth. Um, and then Northwestern comes in below that, 
two, three, and one. Ohio State, third to the bottom, one, three, and one. Rutgers, one, four, and one. And poor old Wisconsin, oh, four, and one. Um, Rutgers has taken quite the tumble after being a ranked team for a little bit. Yeah, that yeah, it's true because they actually, but it's probably one of those things where it was the part of the season where you always knew they were going to struggle when you got to Big Ten play. Yeah, that's true. The I think when we kind of did their preview, they hadn't really played too many. They played too many, much. Yeah, so it's one of those things where hey, if you get results, like that's what the coaches they had played say. two Big Ten games already, and it was a draw against Michigan and a shellacking at the hands of Michigan State. Yeah. And that was Michigan State's first win uh, yes, on the season, if the I season. remember correctly. So, um, but they picked up a few more. They're in conference play, three one and one. Um, all three wins coming in in conference play, obviously. So, um, but now we'll kind of pivot towards the um, preview against Ohio State tonight. The Ohio State, um, and if you can tell, I'm doing that with a lot of distaste. Yes. Or, uh, anyway, um, so for the Buckeyes coming into this game. Um, they are not in the not in the rankings, so they come into the game six, seven, and one overall. As I said, one, three, and one in conference play. And you and I were kind of talking about this and looking at the stats of this team, uh, looking at the results of this team. I have no idea what what they are as as kind of an entity. So um, you kind of look towards common opponents. Uh, Mid-September, they beat South Florida, Maryland's opening game of the season. Uh, they beat them 2-0. Uh, they then opened Big Ten play with a 2-1 loss to Penn State. Um, they tied Northwestern 0-0, lost to Michigan 2-0, beat Rutgers 1-0, had two more out-of-conference games, uh, a 3-2 to two loss to Cleveland State. I don't, the Vikings. Uh, yeah. I didn't know their mascot, but their their, their logo here has a little, little Viking hat. Um, then a 2-1 to one loss to Kentucky. Not, understandable. Understandable. Not, not a bad loss. And then a 3-1 loss uh, l- this past Saturday to Michigan State. And so now they have more of a rest than Maryland. Uh, two more days rest, I believe. Um, and they come into this game in Columbus. And when you kind of look at the stats, uh, Jack Holland is probably one of their key guys um, with four goals, seven assists. And then uh, Devin Etling, I think I'm saying that name correctly. If he was on the team last year, I probably just forgot how to correctly <laughs> pronounce, pronounce his name. Um but when you look at the result last season, that was interesting. I think looking at the last couple of years, Ohio State is just simply one of the lesser teams in the conference when it comes to men's soccer. Yeah. And it's a game that, almost like the Northwestern game, which didn't go Maryland's way, mm-hmm. is a game you look at and say, we have to win this game. There are a couple of teams in the Big Ten where you know, you, you can see getting a draw, you can see losing. It's a game they have to win. Yeah. Maryland is clearly the better team, clearly the team that is coming in in better form, mm-hmm. and the team that clearly needs it most to propel them and continue them on this uh, little bit of a run that they're on right now. It's a game that Maryland cannot afford to come away with with anything but three points. Yeah, and so when, when you talk about the result from last season, I should mention it was a 5 nothing thrash uh, at Ludwig Field. Mike Heitzman got his first and so far he, only career he, goal. He did, um, and I, I was just kind of looking at the goal scorers from that game and the players that got the assist. So first goal, Sebastian Elney, no longer a Terrapin, uh, assisted by Chase Gasper, no longer a Terrapin. Uh, second goal, Omar Sadich, 
no longer at Terrapin, assisted by Matt Torres, who's still here. Uh, Chase Gasper is not. This is also, I think, when Chase Gasper set the, maybe it was a different game, uh, record for assists. Um, then Amar Sadich again, assisted by Brian Padilla, out with an injury. Um, Donovan Pines got his goal, which was a leaping, kind of diving header that was very graceful for a six foot five man. He did a lot of things with surprising grace for a six foot five lumbering man. Yeah, like the cartwheel out in Santa Barbara, yes. which was literally the last thing we were expecting. Um, though the yeah. goal was the first thing, or the first last thing we were expecting. And then this and became the last, last thing we were expecting. Yeah. I really hope we're making some kind of sense throughout <laughs> this podcast because I feel like it's very quickly slipping away from us. Um, and then, yes, Mike Heitzman got his first career goal in the 83rd minute of that game. Um, and it, obviously Mike's been getting some some good playing time this season, but he was very much a, a reserve last He's year. He's been the main go-to guy to get you 20 to 30 minutes in the second game of weekends yes when everybody else is exhausted like he put in a, about a good 30 minutes against Yale yeah. the other night um and so yeah you, when you look at Ohio State and obviously it's a road game um i don't quite know what the conditions are going to be because the last road game Maryland played was at Michigan State and that was in kind of a monsoon well i'm supposed to be in Minnesota tomorrow and i checked the weather for Minnesota which is kind of close to Ohio and it's supposed to be bright and sunny don't know if that means anything. You're Probably in, doesn't. You're in Minnesota? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I did yeah. not. We, we have not seen each other since no. Monday, I don't think so. Um, so I think the weather's supposed to be okay. It's, it's all kind of the same. It's the it's, Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> um, Minnesota's just South Canada, really. Basically. That's it's all it is. Um, so, yeah, hopefully conditions will be a little better. Because, and the reason I bring that up is because the game against Michigan State went into overtime 1-1. Maryland felt like they could win the game, but it was called due to that weather. So, um, hopefully less extreme circumstances this time for Maryland and Columbus. Um, but it's it's going to be an interesting matchup. And this is one that, uh, talking to Sash yesterday, he said they're a very solid team. And it's, it's a game that they have to go into. Um, kind of with the mentality, and talk, I talked to the guy, a few of the guys about this at the beginning of the season, uh, when they were kind of struggling with some of those results, is that they said they have to play every game like they're playing the number one team in the nation. And there, there have been times over this year and at the beginning of last year where this team has kind of played to the level of their competition. So Ohio State, a very kind of mid-level team, Maryland cannot go into Columbus and put in a mid-level performance. No, they have to cut. If Maryland comes out, playing their best soccer and not falling into that trap of, oh, hey, we're just a better team and we're going to come out here and walk all over them. Yeah. And the weather is fine because that could obviously change things dramatically. Mm -hmm. uh, it should very much be a, another 3 to nothing, 3 to one result. Yeah. And when you kind of look at, we talked a little bit about the lineups of the Indiana Yale game and how there were some changes made there. And if we'd maybe see that continue and talking to Sash yesterday, um, Tom and I, we kind of asked him, so we were like, we don't, obviously, he never gives away the full lineup or likes to kind of disclose all that information. Uh, but we said, do you maybe see Eli Cronali playing in that more advanced role? And he gave the very um, Sasho answer of, uh, yeah, we're, we're still going to look at it and decisions still have to be made. But I, I can promise you that Eli will be playing somewhere in the ah, midfield. Just, just like the uh, decision on the goalie hasn't really been yes. set in stone yet. Yes. He, he said, Even though I, Nicholas Neumann has started now seven games in a row. Yeah. To Sasha's credit. The explanation he gave us, like, actually made oh, sense. Oh, it made perfect like, sense. It, it was just basically, he hasn't done, he's been really good, and we're not going to change things now, mm -hmm. but he hasn't been, like, 2014 Tim Howard, where he's <laughs> bad game-proof, meaning yes. that if he has one bad game, he's still the starter. If he has a bad enough game, he might get pulled for Russ, because Russ Shealy has been doing well in training. Yep. So it's he's the starter, and for seven games in a row, he's played really well, but... 
if he has a lapse his spot to lose his spot to lose yeah. so and so yeah so the answer sash gave us is that he can promise us eli will be somewhere in the midfield which is <laughs> i i was like well yeah sash of course like unless there's some kind of injury or whatever he's going to be in the midfield um so it, you can probably in my uh unprofessional opinion um can probably expect to see a very similar lineup put out against ohio state i would be stunned if it wasn't the same exact lineup yeah. as long as everybody's healthy and which uh, we to our knowledge everybody is uh as yeah. long as that's the case everybody will probably be playing exactly where they played in the last two games yeah uh so they're yeah I, to the best of my knowledge, everyone is healthy. Everybody's healthy as they can be. Everybody at this point in the season yes. has some little knocks that they're dealing with. But yes. Nothing, knock on wood, major, aside from the ones that we already know. Correct. Um, and so now they will, they're already out there, uh, obviously, because it's game day, technically. Um, and so they will come back and then they make the trip up a little bit up north to Penn State. Want to run us through that show? Northwestish, I guess. Yeah. I think, yeah. I don't know. They call it Happy Valley, but the only couple of times that I've been there, it's been gloomy and cloudy and terrible. <laughs> um, but they play Penn State, and that's a big step up in competition from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State currently, beyond m- some sort of sense of explanation, is ranked 19th in the country. I'll rant about that in a second. Uh, but <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> stay, stay tuned. They are eight, two, and three. They do sit, as you mentioned, Brendan, atop the Big Ten at the moment. In the past week, they have a win, two to one, over Wisconsin, who was dead last in the Big Ten. Some other more notable results: they lost three to one on the road against Indiana. They beat Michigan State three nothing, tied zero zero against Michigan. And that's that's pretty much the main crop of games they've had against the Big Ten. Their their biggest non-con opponent this season was Stanford, and they lost five to nothing. That was way back on August 30th. Then number five, Stanford. So they played good t- competition. They've gotten some good results again at eight, two, and three this season. Last year they gave us a thriller against Maryland. That was the game that saw goal after goal, and finally Paul Bin, who was just an emergency substitution late yeah. in the game, well. Sasha felt it was an emergency, put him in, and he scored the overtime winner. And that was the follow-up to the Denver game, so kept Maryland on their roll. Player to highlight on the side of Penn State is Aaron Malloy, leads the team with seven goals. If Maryland could stop him, they've got a good chance. Uh, but it's it's a team that the back line can be broken. They've given up 17 goals so far this season in the 13 they've played. Uh, not very sound back there, not very secure. Maryland's not a team that scores a lot of goals, except for somehow, some way, the Indiana game, apparently. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of sometimes what you look for, for this team to kind of break out offensively, a team who is susceptible to giving up goals at the back like Penn State. Okay, so that's Penn State. Now, my real question. Mm-hmm. They went in the last week from, and and full disclaimer, the rankings, the coaches poll, mean almost absolutely nothing when it comes to determining the seeding for the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. and going forward and who plays whom and all that. Great grammar, by the way. Still, nice yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, still, Penn State was receiving votes last week. Mm-hmm. They squeaked by the last place team in the Big Ten, Wisconsin, 2-1. to one. Maryland was 25th last week. Mm-hmm. They drubbed number six, Indiana, and they beat number 24, undefeated Yale, by a combined 4 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Maryland moved from 25 to 22. Receiving votes, Penn State moved up to 19. (laughs) In what world does that make any sort of sense? If Penn State was coming in with a 5-0 win over a top-five team, yeah, sure. 
They're coming in with a two to one, <laughs> barely edged out Wisconsin, mm-hmm. who was last in the Big Ten. And that was their only game this weekend because their second game happened on Tuesday after the votes came out, which was interestingly a one to one weather shortened draw against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And not the weather you'd think. You hear that, you say, a hey, thunderstorm or hey, a lot of rain, the field was bad. It was a fog cancellation. <laughs> fog. So uh, I don't know. There- it- there's there's some story and you're taking history of soccer the class history yes. of soccer right now i don't know if you guys have talked about this there was one game like way way back when uh incredible fog and this is a complete tangent so i apologize <laughs> but it's funny to me um and so the game was going on it was so so foggy and the referees decided to call the game so the teams left the field Somebody failed to inform one of the goalkeepers. So he's just standing back there for quite a long time, thinking that there's a game going on in front of him. He must have been wondering, wow, my defense is really holding strong Yeah, today. seriously, we're playing a high line. I don't know what's going on, but that's just one of my – when you bring up fog and canceling games. Fog has first. had a tremendous impact on sports recently. Even in the NFL, uh, they had that one Sunday night football game in which the fog – I don't remember who was playing in the game because that wasn't the real story, but the fog ended up getting so thick – that they couldn't use the main game follow cameras up at midfield elevated. Huh. So that was, I don't know if you've ever tuned in, any football fans who are also tuning in, when you tune into Sunday night games or NBC games when they do the Thursday night package, mm-hmm. the couple games they have, and they use the um, the sky cam, yeah. like right behind the quarterback, the robot-operated one. That game, they made the, they had, because you couldn't see anything from the actual game follow cam, they did the whole game because of the fog from that sky cam. Like Madden. Fan, yeah, like Madden. <laughs> Fans loved it, and now every year they'll do one game where it's exclusively sky cam, and within all the games they do all season, uh, they have a few drives per game that are exclusively from the sky cam. So fog has had a big impact. It, it made Penn State's game end in the 72nd minute, a 1 1 tie against receiving votes James Madison. And that's why we got a new camera angle in the NFL. So <laughs> we'll see if Fog has anything to do with Ohio State games or Penn State games this weekend. Because once you go up that way, like we said, it gets very dark and gloomy. Like I said, this is very quickly slipping away <laughs> from us. Um, you and I both need to catch up on some sleep, I think. I think so. Um, so anything else to close us out with the, uh, the Penn State preview? Penn State. A good team, top of the Big Ten right now. It's mm-hmm. going to be a massive game in terms of deciding seating for the Big Ten tournament. They're a quality team. They've had decent results against quality opponents. I think Maryland matches up well because it's a team in Penn State that relies on their scoring and is really kind of susceptible to conceding at the back, whereas Maryland has flipped in that they have a really good defense and the goals kind of come as they come. Mm-hmm. They will be able to hold off Penn State more than Penn State will be able to hold off Maryland. And I, I could see this game being a two to nothing Maryland lead. Penn State takes one back late. It's a two to one two to one ball game. Okay. So um those are your two previews of the games coming up against Ohio State and Penn State. Um Unfortunately, neither of those games will be on WMEC Sports Radio. That's sorry, sorry to disappoint. Um, we were we were not on the flight to Columbus, and then if they if the team was going to be doing a day trip up to Penn State, I was probably going to go with them on the bus. Uh, but they're staying overnight, and logistically, I don't want to sleep on the floor. So, um, <laughs> and I would also have I to think miss you'd class. take any sleep at this point, though. Yeah, on that's the floor true. Or on a bed, whatever. Yeah, I'm surprised I've made it this long through the podcast. Um, but anyways, we'll now kind of shift towards our pro terps. And as we mentioned with Tom last week, we are in the MLS playoffs now, and we've played um, two and a half rounds. Uh, there's still some games to be played. We're recording this uh, Thursday afternoon. There's some games to be played Thursday night. We've got, um, let's see, I don't know, your knowledge. Atlanta at home against Philly? Yes. No, wait, Philly's yeah. home. No? 
Atlanta's home. Yes. Atlanta home against Philly. Yep. And then we've got El Trafico in the West tonight. Correct. I'm looking forward to that. Bank of California Stadium. Um, both ga- uh, the early game on ESPN2, Atlanta Philly, and uh, LAFC, LA Galaxy on ESPN. That game is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. Not in this, and that's one of those words in sports where like it's used two ways. Either A, if one team is going to destroy the other team. Mm-hmm. I don't mean it in that sense. It's going to no. be great. I mean it in the sense that like the players are going to be at each other's throats. Correct. I wouldn't be surprised if like it gets heated and there's a red card or two in this game. Oh, Despite sure. It's one of those games that even though it's so monumental, a one-game elimination MLS playoff game, mm-hmm. where you kind of expect people to kind of keep their heads about them a little bit more because you can't afford a red card, yep. there might be a red card, yeah. at least one in this game. It's going yeah. to get dirty. Um, but no Terps will take place in that game. But we'll just kind of give you the rundown because I know Tom and I previewed a lot of the uh, first-round games uh, last last time out, and the Terps that be playing in them. So we now have results from those games. Um, the LA Galaxy beat Minnesota United two to one on October twentieth, and that was an interesting game to watch because Chase Gasper started as expected at left back. Played very well. He was phenomenal. He, he was phenomenal, and he went up against. I'm free, I'm blanking on exactly who it was. The LA Galaxy attacker. Pavone. I think it was the Pavone. Argentinian. Yeah, he made a tackle at the top of the box that was a one v one. He would have been clear on goal, and you just hear St. Paul, the Allianz Field, erupt for a defensive tackle by Chase Gasper yeah. and that was he and aside from that created a lot of offensive chances um, was very very good and unfortunately his season comes to an end in the first round of the MLS playoffs but as we Keep mentioned an eye on him though for January because after this, per- after this performance uh, there were some uh, kind of shouts out to him on Twitter as yep. far as an, a, a name to watch uh, from some prominent soccer journalists, the name to watch for the January camp for the U.S. team that is in complete disarray at the moment. Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> Tom got me started on that last week. We don't want to go there again. Um, but I and I, know I brought it up a few episodes ago because Stu Holden, one of the analysts for Fox Sports, he actually made some comments about Chase Gasper and how he thinks if he continues to play the way he has, which he did to finish out the season, he might be getting some looks at by Greg Berhalter. And Lord knows the U.S. national Hopefully team needs a left else back. But Greg Berhalter soon enough. Again, I can't get started on that because <laughs> this is going to turn into a two-hour podcast. I, I, I really, as much as I would love to, I can't. Um, so and Dane St. Clair made the bench uh, for that game as well. Did not play. Um, and he's playing behind Vita Manone, who is a former Arsenal goalkeeper and actually just on Thursday was named MLS goalkeeper of the year. So it's understandable why Dane's not getting those, those yeah. uh, minutes. He was just time. over on the bench. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, John Mulaney reference for you. Um, so, yes, Chase, Chase and Dane's season comes to an end, but a very, very strong season for Chase Gasper. Um, I would expect to see him in the January camp for the U.S. men's national team. Um, and then I'm very much looking forward to his second pro season uh, next year. Uh, again, we expect and with Minnesota And that left-back spot might be wide open because Sergino Dest is supposed to make his decision on Netherlands versus U.S. in the mm-hmm. next couple of days. And if he picks the Netherlands like I kind of expect him to, I don't know if that's just me reading the situation or just being very pessimistic. pessimistic yeah. uh, but uh, that would w- open the door as wide as it can be for Chase Gasper. Yeah. And so I think that would be a very good opportunity. And he's shown the quality, uh, both defensively and offensively, that he can he can play at this level. Um, and so we'll hopefully see that continue for, for Chase. So uh, just to get through the last few of these uh, first-round results that in- included Terrapins or Terrapins teams, uh, Real Salt Lake beat Portland Timbers 2-1 to one to advance to the conference semifinals. Uh, Eric Williamson has been in the Timbers organization, did not make the bench for the playoff game. Um, and so that season is over as well. Uh, we then move to the Eastern Conference. Where and we have the 
Terrapin Pro Team. Well, I was going to save that one for after. I was going to say Atlanta United has Mikey Ambrose, uh, who beat New England one nothing. Uh, Mikey did not make the bench for that game. You know who else Atlanta has though? Who? Oh. Some kid from Providence. <laughs> so Toronto, <laughs> Julian Gressel scored against Maryland from Providence in that disastrous result a few years ago that I do not like talking about, and Joe knows that, and he still brought it up anyways. Um, so Toronto FC, DC United was the marquee Maryland matchup, alliteration. Um, and so it was the team that had more Terrapins on the field that won that game. Yeah. Coincidence? I think not. Nope. Uh, Subasa Endo got the start for Toronto. Um that was a really weird game. Uh, both Chris Seitz and Donovan Pines were on the bench for, I was about to say Maryland, D.C. United. <laughs> um, and Patrick Mullins and Omar Gonzalez were on the bench for Toronto. Um, the D.C. United scored in the 87th minute to tie it up 1-1 and then conceded four goals. In that the, was remarkable. It was the, one of the biggest implosions. It was the polar opposite of D.C. sports game, teams in the playoffs right now. Yeah, you don't ever see a game that's 1-1 going to extra time and with a 5-1 to scoreline. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> Like, you look at this, and you're like, 5-1 overtime? How did that happen? <laughs> um, anyway, so Toronto moves on to the Eastern Conference semifinals, where they played Wednesday night against New York City FC and at City Field. Yeah, that was this was an all-timer for NYCFC. Not only did they have the bye and coming off the bye lose, but they did so by allowing a 90th-minute penalty in their backup baseball stadium. <laughs> So it wasn't even at Yankee Stadium. It was at City Field, home yeah. of the Mets. And shout out to Toronto FC's Twitter page. That um, was hysterical. They tweeted like the Mets home run, Apple Rising, yeah. with put it in the books, which is, uh, for those of you who might not know, Howie Rose, the Mets baseball broadcaster, that is his signature call for a win. <laughs> Mets win a game. He yells, put it in the books. That was fantastic. It was a great banter. Tremendous shade. <laughs> um, so uh, Subasa Endo started that game as well. Uh, for Toronto FC, Omar Gonzalez. He's been dealing with an injury, which is why he hasn't been in the starting lineup. Um, he, for, I know certain people have opinions on him for the U.S. national team and otherwise, but for Toronto FC this season after making that move, he has been fantastic for them and really helped sure up their back line. Um, and they m maybe will get him back for the October 30th, which is next Wednesday which I know because John Mulaney is coming to campus. <laughs> um, so even on three hours of sleep, I can still I can still remember the important things. Um, Maryland soccer, John Mulaney, and breathing, the three things you can remember on no sleep. Yeah, the third one might be hit or miss sometimes. But <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, Subasa started that game. Um, Patrick Mullins came off the bench, and Toronto gets the win. They will host the winner of Philadelphia-Atlanta. As I said, on October 30th, so that game coming up Thursday night. So by the time you're listening to this, you'll know the result of that game, and you can do kind it that way. Kind of disregard this whole part. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I mean, it's been a thrilling MLS playoff so far. I mean, that that's the switch to the single elimination format has really kind of worked out the way everybody hoped. It's generated more interest. It's yep. generated more just excitement in the games themselves. Mm -hmm. And it, to be honest about it, like the two-legged system kind of got boring at times because yeah. it, you know you teams had, held back t teams held back uh, and you really just didn't get exciting soccer a lot of times you would have the better team going home yeah but now i think you, you kind of really see in the cream rise at the top in the single game you have to kind of throw everything out there and and put your best foot forward you can't really 
sit back and park the bus and just hope to win on aggregate. You have to win the game. There's a sense of urgency from the first whistle, um, and that really, really showed in these first couple games. And so if you're maybe just a Maryland soccer fan, you don't watch MLS that much, uh, I encourage you to watch the rest of the MLS playoffs. They've None of them have disappointed so far. Um, maybe DC United in extra time, but other than that, everything has been top-notch. I mean, it was, but it was still fascinating. It was a fun game. It was, yeah, it it was, was a fun game, and it, watching the extra time kind of ended up being like when you're on the highway and you're like rubbernecking trying to see like <laughs> a, an accident and you know you really don't want to take your eyes off of it because but it's so bad to. that was yeah. that was uh the extra time yeah. periods in, in that one yeah so again hey you have more terps on the field you win the game yeah that's typically that's typically how it goes unless you're minnesota you know, but that doesn't matter. and in the next couple of days from on friday and on tuesday mm-hmm. it will be 11 terps against no terps that, that is, is a fact that is a fact that's some quality analysis, <laughs> maybe the best analysis of the day from you, Joe. I think it's very good that we end on that note, the ninth edition of the Ludwig Lowdown. Um, again, the game's coming up tonight, Friday night at Ohio State, 7 o'clock p.m., and then in, in action Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Uh, up in Happy Valley. So, Joe, thank you again for your time, and that will do it for the ninth edition of the Ludwig Lowdown, your Maryland men's soccer podcast here on WMUC Sports Radio, your Terps, your station. Thanks for listening to the Ludwig Lowdown. We hope to have you right back here for the next edition with your hosts, Brendan Hartlove and Joe Malfa. Thanks, everybody, and go Terps!